Let's get comfy. It's time for Hound Sounds. You're listening to Hound Sounds, telling stories great and small of dogs around the world. Hound Sounds is supported by Lily's Kitchen, who make proper food for pets, especially mouth-watering meals for deserving dogs. Hello, I'm Kate Ball. As we all know, a dog's life is never long enough. In this podcast, the other Kate, Kate Bland, recorded out in the wilds of the west coast of Ireland with the artist Dorothy Cross, who tells of how she came to terms with the death of her much-loved Louis. Dorothy describes it as putting Louis up. I'm Dorothy Cross. I live in Connemara on the west coast of Ireland by the North Atlantic. I've lived here for 12 years and I work as an artist. This is Glasselawn Beach, which is in North Galway, just south of the Killary Harbour. And it's one of like three or four very beautiful beaches along this peninsula where myself and Louis would walk every day, depending on the tide. This beach is always walkable, very beautiful crescent. And um, for 340 days of the year, there'd be no one on the beach except us. So he thought it was his beach completely. Louis was black. He was, he was mainly lab, collie, mix. And um, he used to just take off when we landed here on this beach. He would just take off. It was, and he would chase seagulls. He would never hurt them. Once or twice I saw him swim out towards a seal because seals would come in, single seals. And in Irish, uh, they're known as Motherin Araga, which means dogs of the sea because they're so like a, a swimming dog. And when he was younger, he kind of gave it up when he was older, he would swim out towards the head of the seal and of course the, the seal would dip and you could see through the clarity of the water the, the seal swimming round, the dog who was then going, where the hell has the sea, seal gone? And these beautiful kind of interactions that occurred here. Louis really was part of the whole beginning of my coming to live here. So the history of my living in this place had him in it until he went on uh, completely. I bought a five-acre piece of land by the sea where I was not allowed to build a house. So for the first few years I lived in a shed and then would commute to Dublin and then I bought a house. And little by little I kind of created this area that's made up of a beautiful old famine cottage with little areas where you can see the skeletal mounds of potato ridges and then a big vast field running down to cliffs with a waterfall and a cave and giant boulders of conglomerates. It's a very beautiful place which hasn't changed much since he's gone and I swim off the end of the field from these rocks when it's calm and Louis would leap off and dive in after me and actually drive me crazy because he would scratch my legs because he always wanted to stay so close. But he was a brilliant swimmer. You know, once he was sitting by the edge of the sea, sniffing, sniffing the air, and I looked out and there were two otters swimming in the water. Sometimes sheep would get tangled up in brambles down in the gorge where the stream is in the land and he'd find them and he'd come and tell me and... I would go with the secretaries to cut away the brambles. But what he loved doing as I was freeing the sheep was to plunge his nose into the fleece and inhale the sheep. Because that was the only chance he would get to get too close to the sheep. Because in this area, you know, dogs and sheep, you have to be very, very careful because obviously the farmers have to protect their sheep. But he was a very sensitive dog.
When Louis was coming on to 10 years of age, he started slowing down. He got a, an awful cough, and people said it was kennel cough. And I sometimes wonder whether this was connected with his death. But he recovered. But I noticed he was drinking a lot of water, and then he got very, very weak and just didn't want to get off his bed. And I brought him to be checked out, and they found a shadow in his lung. But they didn't tell me clearly in my neighbourhood vet what was going on. And I was visiting my mother, who was old and sick in the south, and I brought him down there, and he started getting much, much worse en route. And I was panicking, and I phoned a friend who said, remember that man you knew 25 years ago, he's a brilliant vet. And actually two people independently told me to phone this wonderful vet called Shane Gearan, which I did. I hadn't seen him for 20 years. He opened up his surgery and got on his hands and knees with Louis and completely communicated with Louis from the minute he looked into his eyes and saw immediately that he had lung cancer and probably Addison's syndrome, which is what caused him to be drinking too much, which affects the adrenal gland. So um, my name is Shane Guerin. I'm a veterinary surgeon working in the south of Ireland in a city called Cork. And when we saw Louis, and he was a beautiful black lab, lovely grey muzzle on him, a lovely, lovely dog, uh, very attached to Dorothy, and she was you know, really upset. The, the information we had is that this dog had a mass in its lung and was coughing. Now, the dog was lethargic, weak, and was unable to use its back leg, so it was obviously deteriorating and dying. For me, I suppose, you know, when a dog is in that state, an old dog like that, very attached to Dorothy, we didn't want to separate the two of them. And so I was able to let Dorothy go home to her house. I said, look, I'll do it in the house because that's where the dog is comfortable. Why bring him to a strange place and stress him? So we'll put him to sleep at Dorothy's house. He said he'd come the next day to apply the, the poison, I guess. And he came, and it was in my mother and sister's house, so Louis walked into this room. He had the connection to his front leg. And as Shane prepared the syringe, Louis leant forward and bit the syringe between his teeth. Now, didn't try and drag it away, just held it and looked Shane in the eyes. And when I went to see Louis, he came out and he met me and he barked when I was outside. We came in, Dorothy was really upset. So we went to a, a nice quiet room and, and I got her to sit on the floor with him. And I got him to sit on the floor beside her. She was really upset, crying and saying goodbye to him. And I sat down on the floor beside the two of them and, and I started getting myself ready. And I, I just then decided, look, we're not quite there yet. And I said, let's give him one last chance. There's one last little thing. He's very well. He barked at the door. He met me. I don't think he's quite there yet. I said, look, I'm going to change the medication. I'm going to try something new for him. And I took a syringe out of my bag. And it was a sterile syringe. I took it out of the packet. And Louis just looked at me and he put his teeth around the syringe. And he held the syringe in his mouth just for a couple of seconds. Just almost as if he was just saying to me, don't do it. Which never happened to me before. As it was, I was injecting him with an antibiotic. But it was you know, very, very, very strange. And so we injected him intravenously. He improved over the next couple of days. But then he started to cough blood. You're listening to Hound Sounds. And this is Putting Louis Up 
with Dorothy Cross. Hound Sounds is supported by Lily's Kitchen, who make proper food for pets, especially mouth-watering meals for deserving dogs. He was good for one day because he was on steroids and things, and then one night he was coughing blood and I was up with him all night long and he was really, really suffering. And Shane was so gentle and sensitive about the process that I really found alien because I hadn't experienced it before. So he said he'd come at 3 o'clock on this afternoon, the night after he was coughing, coughing and in such distress. And we went for a walk by the river that morning, me and Louis. He went into the river. It was like he was... Uh, I've heard this from lots of people. Very often when they're close to passing on, they get this kind of lease of life. And this magpie, though, we were walking through this woodland and this magpie followed us. This white and black, glamorous, annoying bird hopped along the trees after us. And I was so angry at the bird. And I've never seen it happening before. We went home and Shane came back at 3 o'clock and that time Louis did not bite the syringe. They call it putting a dog down, but maybe we should say putting a dog up. <laughs> Every morning we used to sit, myself and Louis used to sit at the edge where the sea meets the land here on the edge of the cliff. Rain, hail or snow, we would do it. And he would sit in this particular position. Energetically, just like any human in passing, I think you feel the energy of the animal for quite a long time. I still feel the energy of the animal. But that thing of deciding to do the deed, because on one hand it's killing something, and on the other hand, it's freeing something. I've always been conscious of brevity of our own lives. So I think to have a beloved animal pass away is a teaching for us too, you know, because maybe it's a practice run for ourselves or for our, our beloved humans, you know, because the loyalty and the purity of the love of the dog is what we're all desiring to find in a human. <laughs> But the shock of having an animal that you love and adore walk through a door where he knows there's equipment. He knew, I knew, he knew what was going on and allowed this poison to be put into his leg. And Shane explained what would happen. He said, it'll be very quick. Say goodbye now. And he, Louis, who was standing up erect and proud, and the poison was put in and he just fell, wham, onto the side. Gone. Complete shock. So that suddenness was amazing. Because I've seen humans die where it's taken time and it's been gentle. I knew I wanted to bring him back up here to the west, you know, four and a half hours drive, to bury him in this land by the sea, which was where he loved. So Shane helped me put him in the car. He was a heavy dog, he was a big dog. I put him in the back seat under a blanket. And it's, you know, looking back at it, I don't know how I did it really, actually, because I must have been in shock. I think I was in shock. And his little paw was sticking out. And when I stopped at traffic lights or in, on the way up, I would just hold his paw. In the west of Ireland, there's a tradition of waking, what they call waking, when somebody dies. The body is kept in the home and people come and visit and all neighbours come around and they prepare the road up to the house and they help with food and drink and if the person is old there might be music but it's a case of sitting with the body before it's disappeared and kind of sanitised or buried or burnt 
So with Louis, I wasn't conscious that I was doing the same thing, but I did bring him back, didn't want to put him in the earth immediately and had him in my house in his bed lying there. And friends came and about 15 people came with scones and whiskey and we sat around and it was just so fantastic because most of the people are dog lovers. There's a great community of dog rescue people around here. It's a mixture between abuse maybe of extreme treatment, maybe with farm dogs and then love. And then two days later we put him in this beautiful grave with the view of the sea with his nose pointing towards Mwilray Mountain where he sit and kind of sniff the air and you see the full view of islands in his Turk, Ackle, Clare Island. So he is in a very, very beautiful place now. And I think that pause and being with a dead animal that you loved and the strangeness of that was very important because it helped to have the physical presence of him in the house for that short transition before he's completely gone because you do feel somebody's completely gone, I think, when the earth lands on the coffin. So my friends dug a beautiful big clay hole and I put him there. And actually another friend, it was very beautiful. It's the kind of way I'd like to be buried. And I joked at the time, when I die, pretend I've been washed out to sea and put me in a hole in the same area and have the same kind of, you know, ritual, I guess. But we put him there in his bed and this Breton friend played music. It was, it was incredibly beautiful. And now I've put a stone on top of him of red sandstone with his name and the dates of his life. So, you know, that'll get covered over. Already I'm looking at it here and it needs to be weeded. And I have agapanthus growing around him. And he's in one of the most beautiful spots that he could ever be anywhere in the world. So I think it's important for me to have done that and to have him named. Because people will find Louis carved in sandstone maybe in a hundred years' time, a thousand years' time. Maybe everybody will be gone. And nobody will find it and just disappear. That was the artist Dorothy Cross. Putting Louis Up was produced by Kate Land, with music and mixing by Chris O'Shaughnessy. Other Houndsound pack members are Beth Clayton, Don Rorty, and Andy Pritchard, and our editor is Kate Bland. If you have an amazing dog story and you want to join the pack at Hound Sounds, please get in touch from wherever you are in the world. There are details on the Hound Sounds website. Mm-hmm.